Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast Wren. Cardiff, huge moment for Joe Cordina. Bids to become two-time world champion this Saturday night. I'm joined by Charlie Sims. Is he going to pull it off, Charlie? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually extremely confident he's going to pull it off. I think, look, he come, we had that amazing night where it was like, went in, won the world title. There was a lot of questions about, you know, was he going to be able to do it? Ogawa was a really good fighter and he, he did it in spectacular fashion. One punch knockout. Everybody was screaming and shouting about Joe Cordina, and then obviously broke his hand in a in a freak accident when he was actually preparing for this fight in Abu Dhabi, and um, and then that got called off. He got, in my opinion, unfairly stripped by the IBF. But we tried to fight against it. I had many difficult conversations with Eddie and Frank about what we're going to do and how we're going to get Joe his opportunity to to challenge for it again and. They promised and came through, so you know we had to we had to get Joe into a rehabilitation, um, which he came through and he's doing really well. And we had to watch Rakimov fight Barrett, which was a really good fight. And now Joe's got his opportunity, and he needs to make it count. So we're ready, we're prepared. The difference is this time when Joe Cordina is challenging for the world title, he knows he's capable of being a world champion, and that's the difference. Of course, a very disappointing situation. What happened with the IBF? We know they're very strict. Um, but moving on from there and where we're at now, to become a two-time world champion is a special thing. Um, so really some things work out in weird ways for the best at times where you think this is a really bad moment, but it could actually turn out to be a special thing that happened uh, if he does the business on Saturday. 100%. And I think actually, look, the Ogawa fight was an, was an amazing accomplishment for Joe. The way it happened and just crowning himself as a world champion in Cardiff with that atmosphere was just spectacular. I've been to a lot of fights and that for me was right up there with one of the highest highs. If and when he does it again against Rakimov, whether he's going to do a masterclass boxing um, performance on him or whether he knocks him out, we have to give Joe Cordina the credit as possibly being one of the best world champions in our country at the moment, so or in, a, in, the, in the nation I should say. When you think about it, really, you've got 
Tyson Fury, Sonny Edwards and, and Joe Cordina springs to mind in terms of talent uh, and you know the, the person who's in their prime at the moment not, not many others spring to mind yeah. we haven't really got many world champions no and I think that's the I think that's the problem you know we've been I mean we've been doing this a long time right during our in, in our time probably in the last decade we've had a lot of world champions there was a point where I think there was something like 12 13 14 British world champions and now we're just lacking it we're just lacking the talent but I think there's a whole new crop coming through and I think Joe Cordina needs to go and do the business this Saturday, place himself as one of the best in Britain, and then hopefully these new crop of, of fighters coming through will, will come and take over and hopefully we'll get, uh, we'll get some more world champions in the UK. Yeah, you're right. I think at times maybe we took it for granted that we had, what, 12 world champions from these shores. 100%. I mean, that was an amazing era for British boxing, but, you know, all things come to an end and it's time for the, for the younger boys to step up and... I think we're, you know, we're about to see some, some new guys get crowned sooner or later. Sincerely hope that uh, Joe does the business this Saturday night. It'll be a great atmosphere here in Cardiff. Uh, Charlie, um, let's talk about Conor Ben. There have been more developments today. I know your father spoke to Coogan about this yesterday. Um, just to go back throughout this process, from your point of view, um, we spoke to Eddie Hearn multiple times about this. The document, the 270-page document, was of course handed to the WBC. Um, they did their investigation. Why do you think it took so long for UCAD to receive that document from Conor Ben's side of things? I mean, I'm going to try and be as transparent as I can talking about this. I haven't actually spoken publicly about it. it in the best way possible, and I'm going to try and explain this to the public as clearly as possible, it's an extremely complex situation. It's not, and I mean, we've seen recently some other... Um, some other stories going around. Amir Khan recently uh, got a two-year ban from UCAD on, on his situation. It's very, very different to that. Um, not just with the substance in, as in the whole situation. So I'm just going to try and explain it the best I can. Yeah. We had the 270-page report that was really drawn up by a specialist independent scientist who specialises in anti-doping. He's also, Conor Ben's also got one of the best uh, lawyers in Mike Morgan, who's also a specialist in anti-doping. So he's got an unbelievable team when it comes to working across this. He's never, he's never really accepted that this has ever been in his system. And I think that's probably the difference between Conor Ben's situation and Amir Khan's situation, for example, because, you know, I'm just talking about something that's possibly related. Amir Khan's uh, situation with UCAD seemed, although that they worked confidentially over the last 14 months together to try and figure out how and what had happened, Amir has basically accepted that that was almost in his system and his two-year ban was, basic, was based on, on, the, on that. Conor Ben hasn't accepted that. He, in his 270-page report, is basically explaining, and I have to be a little bit careful with what I can and can't say because there is a legal case still ongoing, and Mike Morgan is talking to UCAD at the moment, but he has stated in previous statements that he thinks there was a technical flaw or the protocol was flawed within VADA's testing programme. Um, the WBC obviously conducted that test. They see the report. They made their own decision based on what they felt was correct at the time. They put it down to eggs. Conor Ben never in that 270-page report mentioned eggs at all. So that was where Conor Ben's um, differences lie with the WBC. The only thing that he did agree with the WBC was that 
he was innocent and he, he felt like he should have been cleared. So that was clear. What we need to understand now, and we need to get some clarity on now, is that UCAD, and I mean, there's a lot changing in the last 24 hours. 24 hours ago, my dad did an interview with Coogan, I was in the room. He was provisionally suspended. Today, from what I'm reading, and I'm just reading this at the same time everybody else is, and this is, this is the problem with, with boxing at the moment. It's just a mess. And we can talk about the anti-doping uh, testing protocols going on around the world and the agencies and the British Boxing Board of Control. But in my opinion, boxing at the moment is a very unregulated sport. We've, we've, got, we've got a governing body in the British Boxing Board of Control. In my opinion, it hasn't been handled good enough in terms of standards from them. Conor Ben, I feel like he's done the best that he can do as a young fighter in terms of trying to discuss and talk about this with an ongoing legal case. It's a very, very complex situation. It isn't a bang to rights. This is what it is. You're going to get your ban. It just isn't like that. And it's frustrating for everybody involved, the media, the public, Conor Ben, Matram, Eddie, to keep talking about it. We are going to hopefully get some clarity on what's going on. Conor Ben's team are in contact with UCAD directly. He doesn't, there's been a lot, of, a lot of talk from the public to say he needs to sit down with the board. He needs to talk to the board. He needs to sit down with Robert Smith. Ultimately, from what we know from a legal standpoint, the board cannot make a decision on whether they think Conor Ben is innocent or not. It is down to UCAD. And Conor Ben has to talk directly to UCAD, which his team are talking to him now. Now, I've seen a few moments ago that they've formally banned him for two years. I don't know what that's based upon. Um, I know that we are co cooperating with them now. So I don't know, unfortunately. It's just, a, it's just something that we all need to, to get some clarity on. I think it will come to an end at some point in the near future, but it's a very complex situation to deal with. At the start of your point, I think what you were referring to was strict liability, where Amir you know, it, it's come out that, that you kind of said he didn't intentionally take anything, but he knew it was in his system and therefore he went through the process having known that he's going to receive a two-year ban, even though he wasn't going to box again because he was retired. What you're saying with Connor, I believe, is that he's never thought this has been in his system and if he goes through the process because of strict liability, he will at least cop a two-year ban. Is that your point? I think that's the minimum ban that he'd probably get from you. Four is the maximum, right? Four is the maximum. You know, I think Amir Khan has basically been given a two-year ban because he's accepted that he was in his system and he didn't know how he got there. Conor Ben isn't accepting that, and that's why he's fighting so hard to prove his innocence. Can I just ask on that, Charlie, because people will say, obviously, there's been two failed tests for yes. clomiphene. So I think if, if there was one, there'd maybe people would believe there's more substance to that. But because there's two, do you see why people would find that hard to believe that's yes. not in your system if there's two failed tests? Yes, and only the, the report can really detail on that. Um, and there is scientific evidence, if you like, to say what has happened here. Um, but that's down to Conor Ben's legal team to kind of come out and explain that in full. I can only explain probably up to this point and be as transparent as I can up to this point until this case is over. But 
look, I don't know Amir Khan's situation. I know it went on for 14 months. I don't know how, how much he fought against it. I don't know if he just kind of accepted. It seems to me that he just kind of accepted that it was in his system and he, he didn't know how it got there and he was okay to take the two years because he was a retired fighter. For someone like Conor Ben, it would have been easy for him to take the two years. It would have been easy for him just to put his hands up and say, don't really know how it got there, can't really put it down to anything, take my two years and backdate it to when, when the first test happened. But he isn't saying that, he doesn't want to say that, he doesn't want to put his hands up. And he feels that, you know, if we put this, if we put this into terms where other people can relate, it's like going to court and then the judge basically saying, you know, put your hands up to something you haven't done and we'll just give you half the time. Well, Conor Ben doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to put his hands up to something that he feels that he hasn't done and he wants to fight against the system. And I think that's why this, this story in particular has been so big and that's why we're still talking about it however many months down the line. You know, he's doing everything he can to kind of clear his name. It hasn't always been pretty. It hasn't always been clear for everybody to understand. It's been frustrating. It's been going on a long time. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel and I think we're hopefully going to get somewhere in the next few months. I think it's important for, for, for boxing as a, as a whole to get some sort of clarity on how testing protocol is going to move forward. But one thing's for sure, after this, I think we need to start asking a lot of questions on how anti-doping is going to be ran moving forward, whether it's voluntary or mandatory with UCAN as well. I mean, look, he fouled two VALA tests uh, um, he got accused of fouling two Vala tests um, in lead up to that Eubank fight. He fouled all of his, uh, he, he passed all of his UCAT tests in between. Some of those tests were days in between. So it's, it's a very difficult situation for UCAT to come out and say legally, we're basically going to ban him for two years um, based on the fact that he's no longer a British boxing border control fighter and that UCAN basically falls under that jurisdiction. So it's very difficult to say, but one thing's for sure, we need to, we need to get a better system in boxing. I mean, I've just seen that um, Puello, the 140 pound champion, has actually just been tested positive for the same thing, uh, clomiphene, tested trace of positive clomiphene. It just seems odd to me, and that was, that was conducted by Vila as well, it just seems odd to me that, I mean, looking at this substance, that you would even take that. I mean, they're saying that it's a masking agent, but it seems odd to me that you'd even put that in your system because it's, it's very evident and very clear. Even if you just Google it, one tablet of that stays in your system for months on end. And it just seems a bit odd to me that anybody would take that. Um, but, you know, is it coincidence? I don't know, but one's things for sure, we need to see a change in, in boxing standards when it comes to anti-doping. Of course, he isn't a license holder, but you kind of put out that he's been charged. Um, but what does that effectively mean? Because he wasn't going to box here in the foreseeable anyway. So there's obviously been talks about him fighting in the UA and, and, and going abroad, maybe America as well. I did see um, someone from the California Commission, this was a few weeks ago, state that they've taken advice from the British Boxing Board of Control and wouldn't license him um, under the California State Commission as well. So what have you made of other commissions from outside this country having a similar stance to, to the board here? Um, I think it's been really difficult, again, the situation, because technically he's allowed to box anywhere in the world other than the UK. 
he could quite easily go and get a UAE boxing license if he wanted to, I think, in my opinion. Um, he hasn't done that, and I think it's because he's tried to find a way forward in terms of clearing his name, um, talking directly with UCAD to see if they can come to some sort of agreement. I think, again, the British Boxing Board of Control, in my opinion, they've, they've always been one of the best governing bodies in world boxing. I just think that at times, especially during this situation, and especially as we've seen the Amir Khan situation come out, it's been very difficult to understand how or where the confidentiality or how the, their standards and protocol have been in dealing with this. Do you think there's an agenda? I don't know. Look, I don't want to think that in boxing. I think boxing, boxing's a sport, and I think it should be treat, I think everybody should be treated fairly under the standards that are practiced within every agreement. And if you're a British Boxing Board of Control licensed fighter, you should be treated the same. Now, has Conor Ben been treated the same as Amir Khan? No, he hasn't. Um, for whatever reason, there's been a lot of leaked. Um, there's been a lot of leaked information, uh, whereas. Amir Khan got his full confidentiality in doing a 14 month uh, investigation and nothing came out until we all see it. So, no, I don't think he's been treated the same. I don't know if that's an agenda and I'm not even going to bother putting that out there. Um, but you know, this is what I mean. Like, the regulations need to change. Things need to change. And the boxing, unfortunately, is, is one of those sports that's kind of stuck in the old era and it needs to start moving forward. And I think things need to start changing. And whether that's the British Boxing Board control, whether that's just testing agencies moving forward, things need to start changing for our sport to keep it, to keep it clean. A couple of more things. He obviously did the interview with Piers Morgan. Now, if I'm being honest, if you saw the public reaction, it didn't go down well. Who advised him to do that interview? And what did you make of the interview with Piers itself? I thought it was a very difficult interview to do. Piers is extremely good. Um, journalist if you like a reporter and I think he was always going to ask questions now when you're looking at doing interviews and people are constantly asking for interviews especially long form something like that it's like one I think maybe it was a bit premature to do an interview like that but I feel like there was a lot of pressure publicly to do something um, there was a lot of mixed, in terms of internal advice, there was a lot of mixed reactions. Does he do it? Doesn't he do it? Shall we just wait? Shall we? Is this the right time? I think that he did the best job that he could do given the, the limited information that he was allowed to share at that time. Things have obviously progressed quite a bit since then. And I think had he had done the in, interview now, it would have probably been very different. Um, but I think Conor Ben, as a young man who's not a scientist who's not a lawyer, who's not a businessman, he's a professional fighter, did the best that he could do in that situation. And, you know, Piers asked him some tough questions, questions that the public wanted him to ask. So the public can't really argue that Piers didn't ask the right questions. It was just frustrating that the public couldn't really get all of the answers that they wanted. And as much as I want to keep talking about it now, and as much information that I know, and, and especially seeing the report, there's only so much that I can say. I'm trying to give people as much clarity as possible. Lastly, just to close off, in an ideal situation, UCAD would have cleared him and said, you know, he's innocent of doing anything uh, wrong. And then it's up to Connor then whether he wants to box here or box abroad. Now, he will likely box in the UAE. 
it would have been, as I said, ideal if UK had come out and said he's completely innocent and they've charged him. So from a public perception point of view and you know, fans that Connor may have had before and might lose now, was it important for you guys to, before we box in UAE, to get the all clear from UCAD, which it seems from just now hasn't happened, Charlie? Yeah, I think, I'm, I, don't, I don't really know because I haven't spoken to the legal team today and obviously this has broken today. But it seems odd to me that Conobin's legal team have been cooperating with UCAD and they've made this decision um, without taking into consideration probably the full report. So I don't know. Um, all I know is, is that Conor Ben has wanted to sort this out, hasn't, hasn't ever been um, a neglect from Conor Ben at all. It's just been that he wanted a fair crack of the whip and he didn't feel like he was getting that with the board. And to be honest, when you look at other situations, he wasn't, he just wasn't. You, know, you look at Amir Khan, we go, keep going back to it, but like Amir Khan's situation, the way they dealt with that was very different to how they've dealt with Conor Ben's. Um, and I think had he had got a fair crack at the whip, it would have maybe been very different and maybe we would have had this done months ago. So you believe he hasn't got a fair investigation from UK, hasn't had one? I don't think so. I mean, they never called a hearing and they had plenty of time to do it, um, which would have been, in my opinion, the, the most sensible thing to do. Um, and they called a hearing ba and, and basically they fined him on, on the basis of not, not cooperating, but actually... Had it just been a little bit structured differently, I think actually it would have cooperated very, very differently and it would have been a different outcome. But I don't think looking at the two situations, they're even comparable. I think Conor Ben and, you know, people keep saying there's an agenda. I don't think there is an agenda. It's just very different. It was a very high profile fight. And knowing how long the board had that information, how long... Um, it went on for right down to the wire. It just made it a very difficult situation for everybody. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure that the right decisions were made by everybody, but I think the most important thing that we can do now is try and put things right. And Connor Ben is working hard with his team to speak to UCAD to try and figure it out. Obviously, we've seen the news broke today, but I can't really comment on, on what that means moving forward. Well, I think, yeah, from your point of view, obviously, and a fan's point of view, if Connor can, you know, progress with his investigation with UCAD and fully clear his name, everyone will be back on board and on side with him. So let's hope that happens. Charlie, I know that was a tough conversation, not the ideal conversation you want to be having on a fight week for Joe Cordina, but I do appreciate your time. I think that is the first time you have spoken about it, it as well. And Look, it's tough because when you look at it from the outside in, Conor Ben's team are basically explaining that the gold standard of anti-doping testing has basically been flawed. And I think when you look at the situation, especially from the WBC or whatever, nobody wants to admit in a sport that that could potentially be the case. And unfortunately, that's just where we're at with it. And that's just the reality of the situation that, we're, that he keeps fighting against. Now... He's still got a way to prove that with everybody, but that's what he's trying to do. And if he's right, if he's right, and what his report is, says is right, then we need to look at the sport as a whole. British Boxing Board of Control, UK Anti-Doping, VADA, WADA, every single person involved has to look at the testing protocol moving forward. And that's what I'm trying to explain to everybody today. It's not impossible that this could have happened. From what I've seen, it looks like it did. 
So it's down to Conor Ben and his team to prove to everybody that's what happened. But in good time, I'm sure we'll see it. Thank you very much for your time, Charlie. Appreciate it. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.